All right, welcome to the Mom Docs podcast. We are three chiropractors on a mission to empower moms to intentionally choose health for their kids and their families, to provide core principles to raise their families holistically, and to help parents take an active role in their family's health. Our goal is to provide families a philosophical approach to healthcare that steps away from the conventional and supports true health. So welcome back. Today, we are gonna be talking about concerns we have with those COVID precautions, those mitigation practices that we're all um, kind of having to do um, in nearly every state in our country right now, and really how to protect our bodies and our families from those practices. So we're talking about the sanitizing practices that are you know, meant to control COVID-19, but can actually create collateral damage by creating things like superbugs and toxicity in the body. So we're gonna be getting into that. We're gonna hopefully give you some good tips on how to kind of counteract those harmful effects on the body. Um, but I think we're gonna start just by going through this list of things that you know, in the last nine months or so, we've been told will keep us healthy. Um, you know, in some of these practices, even our kids are facing as they've gone back to school now. Um, so, ladies, what maybe we should just jump right in and get right into this list. Yeah, and I think like I think this is particularly important, especially for families that are are being not forced, but have no choice but to send their children back into environments where you maybe disagree with some of the practices that we're going to run through, and we we certainly disagree with them as well. And we'll give you our list of reasons why. But understanding that they are just a reality that, and I know, you know, Natalie, your Dr. Natalie, your kids are in school and you're, you're facing this. Okay, how are we going to deal with the oversanitation and the mass and the distancing? How am I going to um, counteract that effects for my children? So I think it's going to be really important for so many families right now. Like for us, we did have the luxury of we pulled our children out of school and we're homeschooling, but not all families have that ability. So for those that don't, I feel like this is going to be a really important episode for um, many of our listeners and many of our listeners to share with their friends that are really challenged with having to put their children into these environments. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I feel like our kids, you know, they're in, in public school in our area, and they're in Spanish immersion. So it was very hard to create that environment at home and they're, the schools are back in, you know, full time. So that was a choice that we were faced with, which like what was best for our kids was being in school. But there's definitely some things that we've had to work around and curb as far as some of the protocols that are being followed, you know, even at their school. So, you know, first and foremost, you know, as we get into the list, you know, of course, like hand washing. I know many elementary schools are, you know, having, you know, there's a, a massive um, just focus on, you know, hand washing at least once an hour. And if not, hand washing when that's not available it's using hand sanitizer a lot um other harsh cleaners you know in between you know every single day from one day to the next a lot of the hybrid schools they're having you know half of the class come monday the other half come tuesday so in between that time they have time to wipe down all the desks wipe down all of the seats and and really try to sanitize the whole school what other forms of precautions would you say your guys' kids are experiencing? I don't want people to think that we're anti-hand washing. Like I think <laughs> that's actually maybe a good thing that has come out of COVID is people are like, oh yeah, we should wash our hands a bit more. I think when it when we look at hand washing practices though, where it's like we're using 
antibacterial hand soap and not understanding that that actually has a negative effect on our microbiome, on our on the on the good bacteria on on our body that we need to thrive. And we look at things like hand sanitizers. Like I've always had just a weird part of me was like that doesn't make sense that I'm just gonna like squirt this thing in my hand and rub it around and suddenly like like why wouldn't we just put our hands under clean water and wash them for 20, you know? Right, you're gonna like, sanitize your hands and then you're gonna eat with your yeah. hands whatever you just rubbed all over them. Yeah, <laughs> and just to think that like, okay, so yeah, excessive hand washing, hand sanitizer that's filled with chemicals. And then this idea of like this mass sanitation of classrooms and surfaces, that's really where it's like, okay, I, I, I get that there's protocols that have to be followed, but that's where for us it became like, holy smokes, you know, to think that every surface has to be wiped down with chemicals strong enough to quote unquote kill all viruses, all bacteria, and probably many living things as well. And that's and one of you, like, wasn't your, wasn't one of your kids or staff members' child like told to wear long sleeves because of it? Yeah, RCA, uh, her daughter's in high school and they sent a letter home saying, Hey, we just want to let you know that kids have been getting rashes from, you know, their skin touching the desks and the chairs, you know, from these cleaners. So please send them in long pants and long sleeve shirts. Wow. And, you know, it's more than just the irritation on the skin because we know that those chemicals are also getting into the body through the bloodstream, um, through the skin into the bloodstream. So, it, you know, we don't even know the long-term effects of these chemicals because a lot of the chemicals that they're using um, you know, they're persistent environmental pollutants. So these are chemicals that like stick around and they're really hard for the body to get rid of. They have a really long half-life. So even though our bodies are well-equipped to handle toxins, you know, it just takes that much longer. And if your body becomes overburdened by excess chemicals being stored in your cells, then the immune system starts to wane because not enough energy is getting you know to the immune system and, and everything else just the body just doesn't function as well as it can um so it That's is another thing that i want to jump in there like one of the biggest concerns that i had with just the repetitions of how often they were doing that is it's it's yes number one like the chemicals that they're putting on their skin but number two, like you have microorganisms all over your skin like you have good bacteria and back bad bacteria and the good bacteria actually makes up part of your immune system. It's called your microbiome. So when you put on something that's antibacterial, such as the hand sanitizer or the, the harsh soaps, it's not just killing the bad bacteria, but it's also killing the good bacteria, which actually makes up part of the immune system. And that is why a lot of kids, like especially in the winter around here, you know, when they're using these harsh soaps multiple times a day on top of the hand sanitizer, it starts to, it kills off the good bacteria on their hand. And that's when you'll see your kid's hands start to get red and start to crack and start to get super dry. That's that's stripping away um, like the good bacteria on, your, on their skin that actually helps to protect them. It's a layer of protection that actually, and that's where we're talking about something that we think that we're doing that's protecting them and right. keeping them safe actually is breaking down their immune system. Yeah, it's crazy. Like when I think it was a couple of weeks ago and uh, there's this new huge study and they're looking at the mutation of COVID virus and they're talking about how all of these practices, because we're depleting, you know, our healthy bacteria that keeps things at bay, um, you know, we've got, we're going to start developing superbugs. 
Um, but what they're saying about COVID is that now um, it's not more deadly, but this new strain is much more contagious because it's finding a way to get around what we're trying to do to stay away from the virus. The virus wants to be transmitted. And if it can't, it's just going to get stronger to be able to accomplish the same thing. Now, not to make everybody fearful because they are saying it's not more deadly, um, but this is just how nature works. You know, there is an innate intelligence in this virus, just like there's an innate intelligence in our bodies and the virus, you know, it's, it wants to spread. And for most people, it is, it is not lethal for the vast majority of, of people. They get it, they fight it and their bodies develop lifelong immunity, but it's this new brain. This we've never, I don't feel like we've ever done anything like this in the history of mankind to avoid um, a, a virus. And so now, you know, we, we don't know long-term ramifications of it, but we do know that very quickly this virus has figured out how to become more contagious. Um, so I think that's something we need to pay attention to just as a culture. Mm -hmm. So some of the other things that we're seeing um, and that perhaps many of you are dealing with with your children is navigating this, the idea of masks, of social distancing, the upcoming vaccine, which the writing is on the walls with what, what's gonna be happening there. I think in terms of masks, um, you know, for us, uh, we really struggle with just the philosophical, like physically putting something over our children's faces and whether you can find things that show that it does decrease oxygen saturation um, and that you're just literally breathing out like carbon dioxide into the mask and all of like, you know, things that are meant to be excreted from your body and then like just soaking it right there and then keeping it and breathing it back in. Um, and there's tons of conflicting. You can find research that says, oh, masks will, will be helpful, but you can also find just as much research, if not more, showing that masks make no difference. It's There's such conflicting information on it. Um, we'll go through with you how um, we've decided to navigate the, the idea of masks for, I guess, a level of social compliance to be able to do get on an airplane or walk into a building that we're choosing to go into. Um, the idea of social distancing, I feel like, um, Dr. Aaron, as you were just saying, like when we distance ourselves and we don't allow a virus to take its natural course and spread through a society, then that's where we can really, we create super bugs that figures out better, faster, stronger ways to do it. And then th this idea of like, let's keep everyone away from each other. And then at what point do we say, okay, now we can all get back together. And now we all get back together with weaker immune systems and viruses and bacteria are still there. Like we're never going, they're, they're not going away. So mm -hmm. unless we plan to stay distant and isolated and over sanitized for a lifetime forever, which I, sometimes I read like weird, when listen to weird podcasts, I think like that might be some people's actual agenda. Um, and AI take over the world, like to go total conspiracy theory. But unless we're planning to do that forever, it really is like a, a, a bad solution. And then this idea of waiting for a vaccine to come in as a savior. Listen, it, it took decades to develop vaccines that, and, and I would argue that not that they haven't even fully been studied, but it takes decades to develop vaccines for the common, the childhood common schedule. This idea that we're going to take a virus that we have just newly identified, have never seen before, and then fast track a vaccine schedule for it and prove its safety and effectiveness and it, and even consider injecting that into a child 
is to me completely asinine. Like that's so far, we have really lost our way if we're starting to actually consider that as a as a solution to a virus with a death rate that is so small, the risk of what could be coming down the pike with this vaccine really has legitimate concerns. For sure. And something that I think, you know, logically for a lot of people, like we think about, you know, I've heard that like a lot of people are, you know, just waiting that the vaccine is going to be their saving grace. And then that's when they're going to feel comfortable enough to go out and about. And something that I don't think a lot of people realize is that logically, you know, when you're thinking about a vaccine, logically to some people, it makes sense to expose themselves to a weakened virus so that they build up immunity to it. So they feel you know, their immune system would be stronger if they actually come and, you know, get exposed to it and be able to fight it off faster, stronger, et cetera. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize, so that's the logic behind a vaccine. But what a lot of people don't realize, it's not just that weakened virus in that vial. Mm-hmm. Like there are other preservatives, chemicals, things inside there, like the marisol, mercury, formaldehyde, aluminum, you know, those are some of the big hitter ones that people, you know, that you can find a lot of information out on and how they actually can impact our health and our long-term health and our microbiome and our immune system in turn um, that a lot of people aren't aware of that, that piece of it. And uh, that's why I want people to at least know, like you've got to make an informed choice and know what else is in there and the potential ramifications that that could have on you and especially your children, you know, cause that's, that's getting directly put into, into their bodies. You know, if, um, if you go with a vaccination, so some things to be thinking about there, um, before just jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah. And they've already studied, and this is why you haven't seen, um, a vaccine come out yet for other COVID or excuse me, coronaviruses. So the same family, but they've tested them, they've studied them, and they, what they found is in in one population, military, um, they found that those people that received um, the the vaccine actually became more susceptible to the virus down the road, which made it more more deadly. Um, so that's just something that you know. It's unfortunate, but you know, there because of the research that's happening now, we are hearing stories of people um, suffering from serious injuries, you know, during that testing phase. And again, these are people that signed up. They said, you know, inject me. I want to. I want to be a test subject. Um, so obviously, we don't want this to be rushed um, for the people that are lining up for it. And you know, just we want people to be thinking differently about this thing because it isn't. You know, it's it's not something that's like taking vitamins. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people line up and they think this is like a you know a vitamin shot that's mm-hmm. totally going to just work with their immune system, but it's actually counteracting what the immune system is trying to do. So, so I think even there, like that sums up like even a vaccine like all these things are out they're still outside in thinking right like how can i protect myself from exposure how can i make sure that you know i don't become into contact with it with all of the sanitizing and um you know cleaning and um even even a vaccine is still looking from the outside in of the fear of a virus and something that you know i want to shift our focus to is again we've talked about this in in previous podcasts but i 
constantly think about the fact that we have this amazing immune system. And when you study immunology and how in depth it is and how many layers of your immune system there are that start on your skin and your mucus glands and then your microbiome. And then there's all of these other cells inside of you, like your killer T cells and your macrophages and your isonophils. Like you guys remember learning about all that in school, <laughs> like the layers go deep and you know, this whole system that is ready to fight for you the very fact that we have an immune system, right? It tells us that we weren't created to live in a sanitized bubble. And your your immune system, like we're designed, we were designed to thrive in our environment, not just to survive, but to thrive in our environment. We were expected to come into contact with different germs and pathogens and viruses and bacteria because we have an immune system. And well, that's and all then Go ahead. And, and not even just expected, but it's necessary. Yes. It is it is necessary to encounter viruses and bacteria. And I mean, it, it's necessary for our immune systems to develop a proper response to these things. This is part of this is part of development. I mean, and there is ample evidence and studies out there. Just one study that I found where they looked at 1300 children in New Zealand and, sh and this study was examining exposure of these children to more viruses, more bacteria, more dirt, more grime and their parent and the mother when she was pregnant and then tracking how healthy are these children down the road? Do they have more or less allergies, more or less um, asthma, more or less eczema. And of the 1300 children in the study, um, show that whose mothers lived on farms during pregnancy were 50% less likely to have asthma and significantly less likely to have allergies such as hay fever or eczema. And this isn't like, you know, this isn't holistic journal 101 or chiropractic theories. This is from the European Respiratory Journal. The study suggests that exposure of pregnant women to possible allergies uh, allergy causes enables their bodies to create antibodies, and then that can be transferred to the fetus. Wow. They've shown that kids that grow up on farms typically have less asthma, less allergies, less eczema, less autoimmune conditions arising because they're exposed to it from an early age. We are meant to play in the dirt and be outside and not be over sanitized. The, there's so much evidence to show that the more you um, over sanitize and over clean an environment, the more likely you are to end up sick. Yep. And, yes. and to me truly, I'll take a runny nose or a cough in a child any day over a child that has asthma, allergies, or eczema. Yes, 100%. And like, if you think about, as you're saying, like when you think about your immune system, think about it like it's like a muscle, right? You, you have to work it out for it to be strong. And a local pediatrician, a holistic pediatrician in our city, like he tells parents, like your kids, they're just like most kids on average ages zero to five will get sick at least three to four times a year and celebrate that. Like their bodies are designed to do that. They will fight it off. And every single time they get sick, what you'll notice is next time, the next go around, their bodies fight it off quicker and easier. Yeah. So like you want that, the younger you are, you're building that muscle. And I think it's something that's scary is like, if you, you know, you never get the chicken pox, you never get sick as a kid. If you are living in that bubble, what becomes scary is then is when you're, when you're older and maybe your lifestyle habits have caught up to you, and then you get the the super bug, like your immune system is is not as trained, right, to, right. to fight that off. Right. No, and what they, you know, in the beginning, when we realized that kids were not really being affected by COVID, um, they started to just guess, you know, this is like their best guess as to why. And it's because kids develop so many different coronaviruses in the first five years of life. 
that it was inferring that that immunity. So the, because kids get exposed to it, you know, in church nursery and preschool and kindergarten, um, different types of coronaviruses, you know, that's why kids aren't being affected by this virus that can be lethal to people in the older populations. And it's because their immune system got a workout. Whereas now I fear for all these kids now that are growing up in this COVID era, like you said, you know, we're just like living in a bubble and, you know, what is that going to do long term? Um, so, yeah, again, we can't fear getting sick. Sari said you would take, you know, a, a cough or a runny nose over, you know, autoimmune issues any day. And yes, 100 um, percent. And actually, there are some doctors that are saying, you know, kids that, you know, have those illnesses um, when they're young have less cancer, less chronic disease later in life. And so that's that's kind of what we're you know this is just what what our bodies are designed to handle you know as, as long as we remove interference and allow them to do what they're supposed to do. Um, so looking at you know looking at all of these different things that we're exposing our bodies to just within the COVID era, um, how do we how do we protect our bodies you know because inevitably you know we do have to go through some of these things we do have to fly on planes we do have to. You know, some of our kids do have to go sit in these toxic desks. So why don't we walk through like how to kind of mitigate those practices? Okay. So I think first and foremost, I, I really think this is just so huge. This first one that we want to go through is that I feel like as moms, our job is to control the narrative and protect the mindset of our children, ourselves, and our family. So there's no denying that when you walk through the grocery store right now, or you go to Target, or kids when kids go to school, the world is weird. I mean, I, like, can you even imagine that? Like, now you, it's it's weird to be maskless. You know what I mean? It's weird to right. see like when I see someone else without a mask, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> like we got this. So like, I think it's super important to understand that the narrative can easily be dictated by the environment if we are not proactive in controlling it and helping protect the mindset of our children. So yes, the world looks weird, but what do our children think of it? Yeah. So being able to, and I'll, I'll never forget actually the first plane ride that we were taking as a family trip and it, and right before it, it was, hey, all children, ha all people to and up, which was all of my kids have to be in a mask to get on the airplane. And we sat there and we literally said like, okay, is this our line? Like, will we, we disagree with wearing masks um, we don't think it's right. I don't want to put one on, on my children's face, but we do really want to go on this trip, you know, and, we do want to, and it was actually on a, a family vacation to go see Dr. Natalie and her family and her husband, I'll give him the credit for this. They sat down and they told their kids, I'm, I'm sharing your story because we stole from it and we've done it. We've had this conversation with our kids a hundred times now. He said like, okay, we disagree with wearing masks. Like we, we, like we know that germs don't kill us. Like we know there's nothing to be fearful. We know that we have strong, healthy, capable bodies and immune systems and we're not avoiding anything. We have to wear a mask get on this plane and since a mask for a one hour flight is not extremely harmful to us, we're gonna do it even though we don't believe in it because it doesn't harm us and because we wanna go on this vacation. And so that's just one example of helping give some language to this for your children, help them understand the narrative. Um, for us, I've had to be a little bit more cautious with my children because they'll like, when they see a kid wearing a mask, they'll be like, why is that kid scared? And it's like, <laughs> oh, no. like, so, you know, we have to be sensitive with it, but using words like telling them like, Hey, other people just don't know how strong they are. 
Like they just don't know that they don't have to live in fear. They just don't know about getting adjusted and eating right. And they just don't know how powerful their bodies are. So they do feel scared of a germ, but we don't have to feel that way. And so I think controlling the narrative, protecting our own mindset is huge when it comes to recognizing our children are going to be in weird environments. They will be exposed to these things, but helping them understand the why behind it and what they can believe about it is super important. Yep. That's huge. And we, we don't let our kids watch a lot of TV. Um, but I've been so very careful about even just if we're watching like sports games because the commercials come on or they see people, we, we see the NBA players, you know, wearing the mask on the it's everywhere. And so you, you have to be hyper vigilant. I feel like because they're just getting this constant drip from the outside world. Mm -hmm. um, that is so critical. Um, so Natalie, I think, do you want yeah. to talk about some alternatives? Something that's led to some good conversations, even for us, because our kids are in school is that like, we've had all those conversations, you know, before we sent them to school, prepping them on what's, you know, what's about to happen and what's how school is going to look different. But our kids are young. They're in, you know, our two girls are in kindergarten and first grade. So it's been an ongoing conversation. I think that's important to think about. Like, it, it's not just a you set your kids down once and told them, like, you know, we like we aren't afraid of germs. Like, you know, God gave us an immune system to fight them off, so we don't live in fear. You know, but continuing to have that conversation, especially at that young age, because maybe that one time it went in one ear and went out the other, and now they're ingrained in it every single day at school. So. I often, you know, just asking your kids the question, you know, like, how are you doing? Like, how are you feeling about school? Like, how is it going? You know, follow up questions to enter into conversations where, you know, like one of our daughters was like, I have my own bin of toys and I don't get to play with other kids. And that's sad. You know, she told me that like, so she's identifying like that is sad. So just checking in with them and having those conversations to help guide them through it, I think is is super important because yes, we want to be the ones feeding them the narrative, not um, people that have you know other beliefs and are living in fear. So going through some alternatives, um, I just want to share some of how we've navigated this and going back to school to give you some ideas. Um, you know, first of all, like I knew that there was going to be, as we talked about earlier, tons of hand washing and hand sanitizer. So to fill you in on what I did. For our kids, I have that conversation of they already know that at home and when we go out and about like we we don't want to put chemicals on our body because they can affect how our body functions and we want to keep our bodies functioning well. So I bought the, you know, the little hand sanitizer bottles that all the kids have that go on their backpacks and I dump it out and I make my own. <laughs> and um, then there's no questions asked. They have their own hand sanitizer. And real quick, you can make a really easy hand sanitizer. It's aloe vera gel. This is what I use, aloe vera gel, vitamin E oil, and then essential oils that have antimicrobial properties to them. So I personally use like Young Living Thieves, or I know um, you can use On Guard is another one. So that's literally all that's in it. And I mix that up and I put that right back in the bottle. So my girls know like they don't use the school hand sanitizer. They use their own, which is fun. And I've also sent them with their own soap. And that was something that I just let the teachers know like, hey, our kids, you know, when they use, um, you know, soap multiple times a day um, and harsher soaps, they're sensitive to certain chemicals in those soaps. So I will send them their own soap to use. 
and that has not been an issue at all. So they have their own bottle of soap in their desk. They just put it on their hands and then go wash their hands, you know, when they're supposed to in school. And honestly, you know, when it comes to washing hands, what's honestly most, you know, proven to be most effective, it's the bubbles and it's them, it's you moving your hands around under warm moving water for 20 seconds, right? Like it, it doesn't need to have all the harsh chemicals in it. So those are a few things that we did to mitigate that. I know as far as the masks go, it totally depends on your state and even more so your specific school district. Um, using shields, like wearing like a face shield is I think the best alternative as long as you can, um, as long as your school allows that. So using a face shield that allows them to be able to have people still see their face and to be able to smile and communicate and also, you know, not have any barrier over their nose and mouth. So they're still breathing air. So if that's an option, I would hundred percent, you know, do that. You can find some really actually cute face shields on Amazon that have animals on them and stuff. So your kid feels fine with it. Um, as far as masks go, being like the same thing when we had to fly in an airplane with our family and bring our children, I ordered, um, they're like a hundred percent organic cheesecloth masks. So they are very breathable, which I, I find is very important. So having a very breathable material for them to wear, if they're having to wear a mask, um, is important. And then just washing it, like having enough of them. So every single day I, you know, like, you know, having, if your kids are having to wear them all day, I would send them with multiple, you know, so they can, you know, change it halfway through the day. So they're not having, you know, everything that they're breathing in and out stuck on their face all day long. So having them be able to change it and then making sure you're washing them, I think are some easy, easy steps that can, you know, navigate that, that situation a lot better. Cool. Sarah, do you want to talk about detoxing? Yeah, so our third and, and final um, point when it comes to protecting your family from all of these COVID quote unquote precautions, I think is the importance of taking every opportunity to detox physically. And then towards the end, I'll just talk emotionally real briefly. Physically, I, whether you've heard the analogy of like, you know, you have so many bullets loaded in a, in a gun or you um, your toxicity bucket fills until it finally spills over, whatever analogy has worked for you in the past. I think understanding this concept of we can take bullets out of the gun and we can um, we can drain water out of the bucket by looking at the other toxic loads that our children are encountering and lessening them. So, for example, this is this is the time where it's finally time for you to look through your home and say, okay, I can't control the toxins that they're gonna be exposed to and chemical cleaners out in their classroom environment, but I can control what they're gonna be, what toxins they'll be exposed to through personal care products and cleaning products within my home. So this is this is the time to finally switch your shampoo to non-toxic. This is the time to finally get rid of the soaps. This is the time to finally get Windex out of your house and bleach and Clorox. And it's the time to finally switch out your laundry detergent. The things that you knew like, I should be doing those things, but I do so many other things, right? That like, that's okay. Now's yeah. the time to take that more seriously. So we're, we're reducing the toxic load on our children. And it's, it's, it's simple. I mean, you can do the, these things through Google searches, just how do I decrease toxins in my home? How do I decrease personal care products? We have tons of resources we can get you if you need them. Yeah. Um, I also think within your home, just cleaning the, cleaning the air of your home and circulating the air of your home, especially because there are some chemicals in your home you just can't get around from, paints and new bedding and you know just the things that come into your house so we like to once a week open up all of our windows and doors and just let our house breathe for about an hour once a week 
And we do it in the summer and also in the winter, but it just kind of cleanses your home. So really looking at it as, okay, what are the ways and through our personal life and the environments that we can control that we can reduce the physical toxic load. And then lastly is reducing the toxicity, the emotional toxicity. And this goes to what you were saying just a few minutes ago, Erin. Emotionally, there's a lot that our children and we are having to handle in this world right now. So when our kids get back under our roof, that's, that is not the time to turn on the television and sit on your phone. So turn off the TVs, put your phones away. We call it landline. We physically plug our phones into a charger on the kitchen counter. We landline them. Remember the old landline phones? If you want to check it, we have to get up and go to it. Our phones don't come walk around the house with us in the afternoon and evening hours. Really, I think the best antidote to all of it, when you get your kids back in your environment, you bring them inside, you get your after school snack, and then you get them barefoot and you get them outside playing, you know, and you get in nature and you are focused and you're present and you're together and you're detoxing physically and emotionally and you're focusing on gratitude and joy and the things that you can control. And I feel like that's a healthy family practice, whether we're in COVID or not. So let's use the fact that we have to reduce some of this toxic, toxic exposure from the COVID era. And let's use it as an opportunity to reset family patterns and get back outside, get back connected um, and focus on the things that we can control. And that's really good. That's really good. This might be my favorite episode. <laughs> We're figuring right, this whole podcast thing out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today on the Mondocs podcast. You know, if you enjoyed listening to this show, the greatest compliment you can give us is to share it with others. Um, we have officially launched our podcast and our Instagram page. Um, but if you can go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes, that'll help us reach more people. And by subscribing to our podcast, you're never going to miss an episode. So thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.